What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Sunday here, May 31st. It's Monday the morning, next day for Olivia. <laughs> it's the first day of winter here today, so... Uh, for us, it'll be summer, so, which is... Mm. It's always weird for me to think that our summer is your winter. Totally opposite. And that you have, like, Christmas when it's nice mm-hmm. out. Oh, yes. Hot, really, really hot Christmases. So weird. We did want to start off by mentioning the death of George Floyd. What happened was absolutely terrible. We've been following it closely, but we also know that a lot of people use our podcast as a distraction and an escape from everything going on in the world right now. So we don't want to dwell on it either, but we did want to mention it. Our thoughts are with everyone and we hope that everyone is staying safe out there. Yeah, definitely. We spoke about Corinna Slessler last episode, and we got a few updates from the person who admins the Corinna group and that she's been close to the investigation for a while. Very helpful. I'm glad that she reached out and got in touch. Um, She told us that Puguero, which was the man who Corinna originally met in hospital and the man who, I guess, facilitated her move to New York, hasn't been sentenced and isn't in jail yet because of the virus. Um, And he'll go back to court in June this year, hopefully. And the two other updates she gave us were that Ishiwoni has appealed his sentence and he's had it reduced by four years. And the other one, which I found the most interesting, is when we spoke about the last Instagram photo that Corinna posted and that it was actually taken in New York. Um, A detective put the photo into a program and identified where it was taken that way. And it was from the Bronx on Kruger Avenue. And the person in the photo has also been identified and it's um, been determined to be one of Ishiwoni's friends. The lady let us know that um, someone in one of the groups went through all Ishiwoni's friends and basically eliminated them one by one until she found the person who was in the photo. So that's interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Dedicated. Yeah, so we've added that to the blog. And if you, you know, you can go on there just as a reminder and check all the old social media posts and the old escorting ads for Karina and different things like that. So we had a great response to Karina's episode. It was our, I think, our most popular yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people are fascinated by her case. But other than that, no real updates came from it, unfortunately. No, but there's also been a small update i guess to madison bell which i i don't know as much about because i haven't been online a lot today because i was working on this so <sighs> olivia knows this is all just it. breaking news today so what happened was it's it's all kind of unfolding how this came around but madison seems to have made another facebook account under the name madison noel salmon so her middle name is noel so i'm assuming this salmon is the last name of maybe the new man or oh my God, imagine she got married Imagine that. <laughs> so I wouldn't I'm, be shocked. So I have to say, when I saw this, I went through her old Facebook and s- to see if I could see any likes or whatever from anyone named Salmon, but I couldn't. But anyway, she has been speaking with another Facebook group that was made apparently with the sole purpose of supporting Madison. No matter why she left, they wanted to reach out and offer their support. So um, they offered, I think, and I don't know if I have this 100% straight, but what they've said basically is that they offered to post a cash app plea for Madison. She has $50 to her name um, and they offered to post that if she could prove that she was really Madison. So There's now screenshots of her FaceTiming with these other admins 
and the guy who was in the CCTV originally is also in the FaceTime and he's wearing the exact same shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice that. (laughs) The exact shirt, sorry, the exact shirt that was seen in the CCTV when the police originally made the plea and asked for information about who this guy was. So I'm guessing now that we know his last name is probably Salmon, there'll be more information about him. Um, Madison made the Facebook. She has since taken it down. I'm assuming it blew up once this all went viral in the last hour or so. But her Facebook post said, thank you everyone for all of your support, love and compassion. I wish I could get to all of you sooner. This is all so overwhelming. So I apologize for the delay if I can't get back to you right away. Thanks again. It's very appreciated. So interesting. Apparently these people made contact with Madison by messaging her Pinterest because we couldn't find much social media under her real name. There was a Facebook and Pinterest and that was it. And so she replied to their Pinterest message and... I didn't even know you could message on Pinterest. I haven't haven't been on Pinterest for years, but apparently you can. So I'm assuming she probably regrets doing that now, but it's good to know that she's safe and... She looks very happy in the photos. It's her and the guy, you know, smiling and she seems looks well and seems well. So hopefully she is and hopefully she can get everything sorted out if she's desperate for money and she's moved in with this guy. Maybe she needs to now look at getting a job or figuring out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. I wonder if it'll be hard for her to get a job at first. Like I know. she didn't do anything wrong, but there's such a whirlwind around her. I know Kendall's been saying... Um, it's all fine and well to give her money, which I'm assuming she does need some help, but she also needs to have some type of plan in place if this is going to be her real life now. Yeah, I don't know what she thought was going to happen. I wonder if she was, I'm assuming she was planning to go to college and all that, and now that might be off the cards. If her, I don't know, I, I don't know obviously I don't know their financial situation, but maybe her parents were going to pay for it and will they still pay for it or I don't know, anyway. <laughs> Probably not. Well, maybe if she would come back home. It's a big mess. But anyway, we said we probably wouldn't know anything else, but at least we kind of knew this with she's happy for now, it seems. Yeah. Um, But that literally just happened before we started recording. Mm. So by the time this is out, it happened. Yeah. If it, if it, anyway, I've updated the blog with the new photos. So you can go up there and have a look. If for some reason they get taken off Facebook or whatever, just go to our Madison Bell blog at truecrimesociety.com and you can see it all on there. Because mm-hmm. one thing we've learned is to always take screenshots. <laughs> yep. So they're always save it because someone's bound to delete. Yeah. No matter what it is, it always disappears. Screenshots never lie, though. <laughs> the other thing that was interesting that w- this week is that um, I've been chatting back and forth with Bill Roush. We spoke about Bill in the, one of the last few episodes. He was Maura Murray's boyfriend at the time that she disappeared in 2004. He's been pretty quiet for the last probably decade. Uh, In the last few weeks, he's become a bit more public and he wanted us to let everyone know that in honour of Maura's 38th birthday, which was in May, her family launched a brand new website, which the address is mauramurraymissing.org. And that website is meant to be a resource for people who want to learn more about her case and it also serves as a tribute to her. They've put some photos up there that haven't really been made public until now. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. So if you go on there, there's a blog, there's media contacts. You can sign up for updates if there are anything. It's a, like a, you know, there are some photos that I've never seen before up there. 
And the other thing that Bill wanted to let us know is that he, in honor of Maura's birthday, he worked with Erin Larkin. Erin has another podcast um, where the specific subject is Maura Murray. It's called the 107 Degrees Podcast. He spoke with Erin um, about his thoughts that on an interview that Maura's sister Julie gave to True Crime Garage, and he also shares how he found out about Maura's disappearance and some of his personal memories of Maura. So if anyone's into that case, um, I'll put the show in the show notes. We'll put the link to the pod- Aaron's podcast so you can check that out and see Bill's thoughts. But he's in our group. He's in True Crime Society. He reads all your comments. So if anyone wants to reach out to him, he's got a post in there where you guys can have a chat and let him know your thoughts. He's pretty active. He is very active lately, which is great, I think. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, so that was just an interesting. I've always followed Maura's case, so I always find it interesting when there's some new information, even new photos. So mm. it's a nice thing for them to have done. Yeah, hopefully it leads to something. Yeah, fingers crossed. One of the most famous cold cases I think that is. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about the 2019 disappearances of Tyler Davis from Ohio and Chance Engelbert from Nebraska. We decided to cover these stories together because they're very similar. Both of the men walked off, I guess, seemingly agitated after drinking, um, thinking that they were just going to cool down and then come back, but they both were never seen again. So we'll go over both their stories, but I did want to give a shout out to two of our friends, Amy and Kirsten. They made a new page called Attempt to Locate, but they've always been very involved in various Facebook crime discussion groups. They maybe still do have a group for Tyler Davis, but they helped a lot with some of the research for him and for Chance. They also did a good write-up on, but they're great friends and we enjoy their group. So if you need another group to check out, look up Attempt to Locate and you'll be able to find their groups and tell Amy and Kirsten we sent you. And I know we got a lot of info from the timeline for Tyler's case from Kirsten especially. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Kirsten and Amy have written a few blog posts for us too. So you can if you want to check out their work, you can just click on their name on the blog and see what they've they've got some interesting pet cases that they've done some blogs for. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna start off with Tyler Davis. I've followed Tyler's case, I think, from basically as soon as it became public. His mother-in-law and I'm pretty sure also his wife are both in true crime society I've spoken to his mother-in-law a few times Mm. about the case so they are following along you know with the comments and all that in the group Mm -hmm. so I I just I know we'll go into it and I just find it very very mysterious that someone can go missing in such a urban built-up area yeah it's weird with no trace all right February 24th 2019 was Brittany Davis's 23rd birthday She planned to spend the weekend celebrating with her husband, Tyler Davis. Between their 20-month-old son, Aaron, and their hectic work schedules, Brittany, she was a bartender, and Tyler was a manager at Wendy's, so they worked late nights sometimes, so they had kind of crazy schedules. The two rarely had any alone time together. The couple did make it a point to schedule three weekend getaways a year, one for each of their birthdays and another for their anniversary. For Brittany's birthday, they decided to visit Columbus, Ohio, it was only 90 minutes away from their home, and Brittany hadn't been there before. They made reservations to stay at the Hilton Columbus at Easton because it was within walking distance from the Easton Town Center, which is basically a huge shopping outlet type area. 
Um, It says it's the Midwest's premier shopping, dining, and entertainment destination. I think we would call it like a mall. Yeah. Which in Australia you call what? A shopping center? We don't. I guess there are some things like that here. But yeah, yeah, a shop, the shops, a shopping center. (laughs) Little did they know what was expected to be a fun weekend would ultimately change their lives forever. During the early hours of February 24th, 2019, 29-year-old Tyler would walk away from their hotel and never be seen again. But let's rewind to Saturday, February 23rd. It's 3.30 a.m. Tyler's on his way home from work, which is about a 30-minute drive. When he gets home, he and Brittany chat for a bit before heading to bed around 5 a.m. At noon, they're planning to meet Tyler's parents to drop off their son for the weekend, but they slept later than planned. At 12.30, they woke up and rushed to get ready. They met his parents at Texas Roadhouse on Stringtown Road for lunch and stayed there until about 3.30. I've always wondered with that, I don't know if it's too early for me to jump in, but what did they do with their son while they were working? Did someone keep their son on their schedule? That's interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I might have seen that the parents helped. but Yeah, and I haven't seen it mentioned if they picked up Aaron or whatever on the way from work, but maybe Brittany didn't work that night. I don't know, but. Yeah, I don't know. Just a, you know, thought I had. After stopping at Speedway for gas and coffee, they're ready to start their journey to Columbus. At 4.58 p.m., they check into their hotel and proceed to get ready for their night out. Their friend, Sean, which is spelled S-C-H-O-N, which is, I've never seen it spelled that way before, but I guess it's pronounced Sean. I've only, the only time I've ever seen it spelled that way is when I looked up his Facebook and his father also has the same name. <laughs> so there's two Sean's. Scones. Is that what I want to say? <laughs> so their friend Sean Hughes arrives around 6.30 to join the celebration. Tyler gives Sean a room key just in case they get separated during the night, which I know we've both said is kind mm. of weird. Like for me, why would he need a key? Even if they got separated, he could just go home. You know, and I just think it's because whenever, like, if I go with my friends or something, I always end up meeting back up with them before we leave. Like, you have a cell phone, just call them and be like, "Hey, we're leaving here. Let like, where are you?" Like, like, I don't know (laughs) if the room maybe had you know you can get a room with two queen beds or whatever. So maybe the plan was that he was going to crash there as well. But it does seem a bit strange to me that he would need a key. That's just it. Also makes me wonder. Do they get super drunk often where they knew to just yeah. preface for something? Like, Or was there some other reason why he would have had to go back to the room? Was he leaving something there? I don't know. It's, and I don't know. I've never, ever seen it mentioned why. So that's just a bit no. of, yeah. Intro. I always do find that strange though when I hear that. Yeah, it definitely made me stop for a second. Yeah. At 8.30, the trio leave the hotel to check out the Easton Town Center. After an hour of exploring the shops, they stop at Bar Louie for a drink. According to reports, Brittany had two drinks, Tyler had half a drink, and the three took a shot together. They stayed for just under an hour before moving to Adobe, which was the bar next door. At Adobe, they paid their tab at 11.30 p.m., but they didn't leave until around midnight. So that brings us to Sunday, February 24th, 2019. After leaving Adobe, they head back to the hotel, but their night wasn't over yet. From there, Brittany suggests taking an Uber to a strip club called The Dollhouse. Dollhouse seems to be a popular venue with a 4.5 star rating on Yelp. According to the manager, they have a large selection of rare top-shelf vodka, scotch, and beautiful women. Mm -hmm. They also offer 
bottle service, a VIP lounge, champagne rooms, private dances, four stages, and a large bar with a stage. They arrive at Dollhouse at 12.45 a.m. Tyler and Brittany talk to one of the girls and buy her a drink while Sean is off doing his own thing. Brittany was drinking Bahama Mamas, Tyler was drinking vodka or tequila, and Sean was drinking Captain and Diet Cokes. At some point, Tyler and Brittany go outside to smoke. Around 2.30 a.m., Tyler and Sean got into an argument with a bouncer who wanted them to leave since Dollhouse closed at 2. They argued they were waiting for Brittany, who was in the bathroom. Brittany meets them outside, and Sean orders an Uber back to the hotel because Brittany's phone was dying. They end up having to wait 20 or 30 minutes for the Uber to arrive, and while waiting, a Dollhouse employee came out to offer them some water, which was another thing I thought mm. was a little weird. Maybe they just have great hospitality, but it or- makes me wonder... Were they super drunk? Yeah, super intoxicated and they had a bit of a duty of get these people a water. water. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I would think that once you're out, you're out, unless maybe they are just a great. Maybe they're just nice people. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but I I find that interesting too. And we're like, that's so weird. (laughs) Uber arrives around 3 a.m. Sean sat in the front, Brittany sat behind him, and Tyler sat behind the driver. Tyler and Sean both fell asleep on the drive back, which was only an 18-minute drive, Mm. which kind of adds to what we were saying about maybe they were pretty drunk because it's a pretty quick time to just, like, fall asleep. Uh, It's kind of a bit conflicting. Like, I know when I listened to the True Grime Garage episode on this and they interviewed Brittany, you know, she it doesn't sound like they were super, super drunk, but there are... You know, I haven't seen any mention of how many drinks they had at the strip club and even if they mm-hmm. probably had drinks before they left the hotel originally. So I agree. For them, for an 18-minute drive, for both of them to fall heavily asleep, like so heavily that Brittany had to wake them up, which we'll talk about in a minute, they must have been pretty wasted, you'd think. Yeah. So when they arrive at the hotel, Brittany wakes up Sean first, which I also thought was weird. Mm. And then they both wake up Tyler. So it makes me wonder... If she expected Tyler to be grumpy or agitated. It's interesting that Sean was in the front. So, like, you think that she'd just wake up Tyler first, who was next to her. Yeah. But, yeah, rather than, you know, have to wake up Sean. But who knows? So, Brittany has said Tyler was grumpy when he woke up. They got out of the car and Tyler stumbled, seeming confused and disoriented. He asked where their ride was going and said they needed to go back to the hotel, which they were at. Brittany said he seemed groggy, exhausted, and confused. She also said he was aggravated, like he was mad they weren't where they were supposed to be. Mm. Tyler started walking away, and Brittany went to follow him, but Sean offered to go instead. Brittany asked if he was sure, and he replied, yeah, we'll be back soon. She watched the two walk away through the parking lot before heading inside to plug in her phone since it was only at 4% battery. After charging her phone for a few minutes, Brittany went back downstairs to see if the two had returned, but there was no sign of them. She tried video calling Tyler on Facebook, but he didn't answer. Brittany says Tyler was exhausted and fell asleep during the Uber ride back to the hotel. They returned at 3.18 in the morning. And when he got out of the Uber, he just seemed really confused, like he didn't exactly know where he... Like, we weren't in the place we were supposed to be in his eyes, so um, he just took off walking and our friend was like no Brittany don't worry about it I'll go get him and I was like okay. Brittany says somehow their friend and Tyler separated and Tyler never came back. At 3.37 a.m. at 20 minutes after they arrived at the hotel Tyler calls Brittany. He apologizes and says he's just walking around the block to smoke a cigarette and cool down. He tells her he'll see her soon. 
Then Sean returns to the hotel alone, but tells Brittany not to worry. Tyler was just blowing off some steam. I wish we knew more about that. Did he actually manage to catch up with Tyler or did he call Tyler? I don't know. Like, I'd love to know. Or is he just assuming that that's what Tyler wants to do? I've never seen much detail about Sean's. What um, happened between them? Yeah, the search that night and what actually, if Sean found him or not, or if it was. And what all... they'd like talked about. Yeah. By 4.10 a.m., Tyler had still not returned. He calls Brittany again and says he is, quote, walking through the woods and can see the hotel. And he tells her he'll be there in five minutes. One minute later, Brittany receives another call from Tyler, but after four seconds of silence, the call goes dead. She immediately calls him back, but his phone goes straight to voicemail. It's assumed his phone must have died at that point because when they were leaving Dalhouse earlier, she remembered him saying his battery was low. So many low battery issues with this case. <laughs> I know, it's so stressful. <laughs> I said to you, they must have iPhones because <laughs> the battery's horrendous, but who knows. She says he called her at 3.37. You know, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just taking a walk around the block. 26 minutes later, another call. But when I had talked to him around 4.03, he said, I'm walking through the woods. I see the help and I'll be there in five minutes. A third call came in minutes later. Brittany says she heard dead air for four seconds, then lost the call. It just makes no sense. By 4.12 a.m., Brittany's phone is almost dead again, and Sean has had enough and leaves, which is kind of like a dick move. Yeah. And so that's also, I'm assuming then that he had a car. He probably, maybe by the sounds of it, shouldn't have been driving. But if he had been planning to stay when we spoke about them giving him a key, if he was always planning to leave, why would he need a key? And it makes me wonder if he did talk to Tyler and had reason maybe. to not be concerned because wouldn't you think as a friend he'd be worried about where he was? Or maybe he even had a bigger fight with Tyler about... Or maybe he killed Tyler <laughs> and knew that he was coming back. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Sean has enough and leaves. Yeah. Brittany returns to the room to charge her phone and calls her friend Harley to tell her what's going on. Security footage catches someone walking toward the hotel that looks like Tyler at 4.15 a.m., but after further investigation, it was discovered that was actually Sean and not Tyler. I wonder why he was walking towards the hotel. Was he walking towards the hotel car park or was he walking? Like, you'd think that if he'd already left by that stage, he should be walking away from the hotel. So, yeah, I don't know. Interesting point that stuck out to me. Brittany is still talking to Harley at 5 a.m. She walks around the area near the Hilton looking for Tyler. It's not long before her phone dies. <laughs> She returns to their hotel room to plug it back in. At this point, she begins calling hospitals, jails, and friends to try to find Tyler. One friend being their former roommate, Adam, who comes to help Brittany. With no sign of Tyler, by 10.30 a.m., Brittany calls Tyler's parents, and his father comes and joins the search. So that's about six, just over six hours, I think, from the last time she heard from him, which was only the dead air call anyway, but yeah, yeah. around six, six-ish hours. At 11.15, Tyler's mother tells Brittany to call the police to file a police report, which she does. The police arrive at the hotel at 12.30. Brittany met them in the parking lot. A missing persons report was entered into the system at 1 p.m. The group continued searching the area for Tyler, but there was no sign of him still. At 5 p.m., Aaron offers to drive Brittany home to pick up her son. She goes with Adam, leaving her car and keys at the hotel for Tyler in case he returned. At 1 a.m. on what would now be Monday, February 25th, Brittany and friends returned to the Hilton to resume their search. 
which is kind of weird late time. Yeah. You think that, may- and you make the good point that maybe it was because of she had to work that night. Yeah, but I wasn't sure. Even if she went at 5 p.m. to pick up the sun, she lived 90 minutes away. So did she really go to work and then mm, like two minutes? Not. Well, it's, I don't know, because she could, maybe she just did a few hours, but then to drive it again 90 minutes back, which would have meant she would have had to leave at 11.30. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she just was panicked and wanted to get back there as soon as she could. But I did find it interesting that they searched from 1 a.m. onwards rather than in the day. Yeah. So when they got back, they spoke to the night manager of the Hilton about what was going on. He pulled the CCTV footage for them to review. They also informed the security at Easton Town Center of the situation. For seven hours, they continued searching for Tyler and they stopped at 8 a.m. So an overnight search. Yep. Police began their own search for Tyler on Tuesday, February 26th. They obtained CCTV footage from the town center and pinged his phone. Dogs hit on a pond that was then searched by dive teams and sonar, but nothing was found. At the time of recording this podcast, Tyler's been missing for 15 months. Columbus police have admitted that they dropped the ball on their search for Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) because they initially believed he and Brittany had gotten into an argument, which resulted in him running off. This is why they didn't start their search until three days after he disappeared. Yep. Eight months after Tyler disappeared, a new officer, Detective Jason Brammer, was assigned to the case. He held a press conference in October 19. New audio was released during the press conference showing that Tyler asked his phone for directions back to the hotel. Darlene police held a news conference late this afternoon, an update that did not include any solid leads, any suspects, or any possible theories, but did include the voice of Tyler Davis himself. And to detectives, it spoke volumes. Take me to Eastern Suites. At 3.51 a.m. February 24th, Tyler Davis, confused, lost, and likely unaware his GPS app voice commands were being recorded, tries in vain to find his way back to the Easton Hilton, where he and his wife were celebrating her birthday. More than seven months later... I would just like to say that if anybody... Still no sign of Tyler Davis, and a tearful plea from his wife, Brittany. Has any information on what happened to Tyler or where he can be to please come forward. Detective Brammer said, what it showed me was intent. It showed me that Tyler wasn't trying to go sneak off and have a life somewhere else. That shows me I want to go home. It does sound like he's quite intoxicated when he's asking mm. for directions. I think he says like Eastern Suite. I think he says Eastern Suites. Take me to Eastern Suites. He sounds And we bit... saw on the map of the town center which we'll put in our blog there's a few hotels there right in that area yeah and if you look at the like where his phone was last which we'll put on the thing as well but he should have really been able to see the hotel from where his phone was and for whatever reason he couldn't but to me in that clip he does sound intoxicated he doesn't sound super clear it's a bit aggro you know it's it's just you know so Brittany was at the press conference. She asked the public for help finding Tyler, stating, if anybody has any information on what happened to Tyler or where he might be, please come forward. She said she deserved answers. 
and at Columbus Police Headquarters. He's been missing for 221 days as of today. Missing persons detective Jason Brommer shows the evidence collected so far. A map of Easton, time stamped next to yellow pushpins showing the path Tyler walked. Still photos of Brittany, Tyler, and his friend Sean at Easton Town Center. Nearby wetlands being searched. And Tyler arriving back at the Hilton at 3.18 a.m. after partying before he disappeared. And before three phone calls he made to wife Brittany. 3.37 a.m. apologizing saying he was taking a walk. 4.03 a.m. saying he was walking through woods and just five minutes out. And one more minutes later when he said nothing. At some point giving that audio command in his effort to return to the Hilton. Two words to detectives that say much more. What it showed me was intent. It showed me that Tyler wasn't trying to, to go sneak off and have a, a life somewhere else. That shows me, man, I, I want to get home. Tyler's family believe he was unaware that he was as lost as he was. They pulled his browser history from Google and saw that he was watching videos and listening to music while trying to find his way back to the hotel. That was interesting to me because if his battery was so low... It's like the fastest way to kill your battery. Yeah, I know. It's, you know you, it, like for me... Well, and I know obviously maybe he was a bit drunk, so he might not have been thinking so clearly, but you'd think keep your battery for the maps or whatever you need to keep it for. You wouldn't be wasting mm-hmm. it. Google and streaming. Know, yeah, the Google stuff I've seen was just totally unrelated to him being missing. Like it wasn't like, where is the Hilton? It was just random Google searches. So um, there is a map that shows his phone activity. I guess that's where it pinged around maybe. Yeah. It's interesting because like the map... The, it has pings, one, two, three, four, five, seven pings. And they're all over. Yeah, so he goes, like, leaves the hotel, kind of walks down, and then he turns, well, I guess, let, well, yeah, anyway, he, he turns, goes, and he goes down what is like a dead-end street. It looks like a business. Yeah. So, and then he turns out of there, like, turns around back towards the hotel, heads through a car park, and then his phone kind of dies at the opposite end it's like he was so close. Yeah, so close. It's it's basically like a half circle is what the ping, you know, if you drew a line in between all the pings, it'd be a half circle. Yeah. So he starts at one end, goes down and up and ends at the other side. But the map's on their blog anyway, so you can check out his exact pings. But, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so that's what the police mapped out the route he took that night using digital forensics. His last known location was at, 3.53 a.m. near Stelzer Road and Morse Crossing, which is only 0.9 of a mile from the Hilton. It's interesting to me, just back to the pings as well. So there's seven pings in seven minutes. So I, I, I didn't know that they could ping that precisely. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, so I don't know. That's This might even be from his Google activity, which I would suspect more so than an actual ping which makes more sense now that i think about it so i suspect it's probably his i have a pixel and google can tell you every single place you've gone to and been if you have it on in maps there's a case here with a missing guy who went missing in byron bay a missing tourist called theo hayes and a lot of his information has come from google and they could even tell when he was running so Mm -hmm. you know they're like okay well he got between here and here really quickly so he must have been running which makes sense. But it looks like quite a large distance for him to yeah, cover to go in that seven fast. minutes when he's lost. So that's interesting anyway. Yeah. So in January 2020, a Columbus Police Department source confirmed to us, specifically us. Specifically True Crime Society. <laughs> <laughs> that 
Brittany has taken a polygraph test in relation to Tyler's disappearance, and she passed. It's believed that Sean has never taken a polygraph test and that he has obtained a lawyer. I know a lot of people, I think they actually confirmed that to us because a lot of people have questioned Brittany's role in the disappearance. Yeah. Like, did she know more? Did she know why he, like, I, I don't think, we'll talk about that later, no, but I don't think she actually did something to him. But did she know more about why he ran off or there's been a lot of shade thrown at her, really? And after researching both Tyler's disappearance and Chance's, I believe Brittany way more than I believe Bailey Chance's wife. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that Brittany was quite keen for everyone to know that she took the polygraph as requested and that she passed. And as far as we know, I'm sure Sean has never taken one and he's also, yeah, got a lawyer, which I understand as well. Like, you know, if you are, he was the last person apparently to see Tyler alive or safe. So it does make sense that he would get a lawyer, especially with all the online speculation mm-hmm. about this. In May 2020, Brittany made a Facebook post relating Tyler's case to that of runaway teen Madison Bell, who we were just talking about. My favorite Madison Bell. <laughs> she said, on February 24th, 2019, by filing a missing persons report for my 29-year-old husband, an officer at CPD said, quote, your husband is not a minor nor an elderly A grown man can go missing on his own accord. In hindsight, from an officer's perspective, he's right. A grown man can legally disappear with zero consequences. He told me I would be contacted as soon as the detective started working on the case. Six hours later, a detective called me. They refused to search for 48 hours. They missed shit constantly, didn't check video footage. News stations across the state refused to talk to me or hear Tyler's story for over two weeks. Nothing was even published until the middle of March. My friends and family helped me pass out thousands of flyers around Columbus. We would go every week multiple times. I talked to everyone and anyone who would listen to me. My family was judged and harassed for months. It's been over a year and I still feel like I have to make sure people know he wouldn't leave on his own. Tyler is a wonderful man and a great dad. He would do anything for anyone. I'm so happy that this girl is safe. I prayed for her and her family. I'm glad that Highland County did an amazing job and used every one of their resources. I'm upset because this is the biggest double standard I've ever witnessed since baffling. I'm upset that every case in Ohio doesn't get the same amount of exposure as this case did. It's disgusting. There are not many laws on missing people, so instead of being negative, why don't we attempt to change our state's policy on missing people? Write your representatives, come up with some ideas, stay kind, be the change you'd like to see in the world. Which I thought was a nice post. Yeah. I do think it's um, very rare, or you know, pretty rare anyway, that cases get as much publicity as Madison's did. Um, as fast like too. Yeah, I've seen people in the group say, you know, I, you know, why, why are there no articles? Like not on Madison, but on other missing people. Why are there no articles? And if you go on to NamUs and look at the amount of missing people compared to the amount of media articles that there are, there are very, very few that get the publicity. So I do I do agree that they all deserve it, but I don't think it's quite right to say everyone should get this amount of publicity because it just doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. I have I feel like I've noticed just being like in our Facebook group for so long that younger girls get more attention than adult men. Wasn't well, it an actual thing called missing white woman syndrome? I think so. That basically the only the only real people who get publicity are missing 
females, white females, which is absolutely, I think that's absolutely generally true. Um, Especially if they're considered attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Like blonde. Yeah. It says missing white woman syndrome is a term used by social scientists to refer to extensive media coverage of missing persons involving young white upper-class women or girls. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously in terms of the coverage they get in, you know, related to missing women of colour, women of lower social classes and missing men or boys. Yep, I think that's definitely true. I also think a lot of that is probably, you know, to an extent anyway, because the people who are into true crime are generally female. White women. <laughs> <laughs> White women. Like I know in our group I think we're at like 94% female or something like that and, six, you know, whatever, 6% men. So... Like I do, I think people are into that because they can relate to it, but that also doesn't make it right. Makes sense though. So this month, police released a new video of Tyler walking away from the Hilton the night he disappeared, which is the last known sighting of him and didn't really give any other information or help anything much. Yeah, it wouldn't seem any, I don't know why they waited that long to release it. Maybe they were just yeah. trying to refresh the case because it didn't add anything Probably. really new. And I guess it also shows that he was alone. He wasn't with Sean or, who, you know, whoever when he left. So that's about all I took from that. So it leaves us wondering what happened to Tyler. Did he stumble into the swampland that's surrounding the Hilton? Could he have been hit by a car and the perpetrator covered it up? Or did he randomly come across an opportunistic killer? It seems less and less likely as time goes on that Tyler went missing voluntarily. Yep. So we browsed Reddit for some theories, and these are the theories that we found that were the most popular. One is Tyler caught Brittany and Sean flirting, and that was what set him off. He went on a walk to cool off, but Sean followed him. The two got into an argument and a fight ensued that resulted in Tyler's death. I think that that is unlikely based on the Google um, phone records and all that type of stuff. Like how, that must have been a very quick fight and for him to dump the body so well that no, he hasn't been found. The other yeah. option, I guess, is that maybe he did go back after he left Brittany to find Tyler and did find him Finish and the something job. happened after that. Maybe he put him in the car or, you know, whatever. But I just I feel like that's probably unlikely. If there was a fight, Sean would have fight injuries or something i would think yeah i don't i don't know you know when britney said that it took them two or three days to start investigating i would i would like to know when they did speak to sean or Mm -hmm. how soon after that they did investigate him yeah um another theory that we saw was that the group was doing drugs and it's being left out of the story by britney which is why some parts of the story don't really make sense i do think that that could explain a lot about the case like I'm absolutely not insinuating that they were doing drugs but if they were it would make sense why you know Sean came and they spent two hours in the room before they went out and why he had access to go back to the room Hmm. explain a few things like that for me Um, and it may also explain you like you said why he was so aggro but maybe he just was like that when he would drink anyway so Back to Brittany. It's conceivable that she doesn't want the negative attention that would arise from admitting this publicly, but that it was still an accident at the end of the day, albeit one that drugs contributed to in some way. Tyler wandered off and succumbed to the elements. Yeah, that would also explain, you know, if he was on drugs, that would explain why, how he could get so lost and 
I feel like that's the most believable theory. Yeah. Whether they did drugs purposely or were drugged, I feel like that must have played a factor, in my opinion. I'm looking at the map now. Like, there are a lot of wooded areas, and even though it is in Columbus, there are a lot of wooded areas. And I know Jeanette has looked a lot into this as well. There's a lot of waterways. Mm-hmm. even if some of them are quite small, which I'm assuming he would have been found in the smaller ones by now. But if he did wander to a river or a creek, he may have, you know, somehow ended up somewhere where he just hasn't been found yet. Yeah. Because you'd always wonder how could someone die from exposure or elements in the city, but it, it could be possible for him yeah, in Yeah, I mean, case. you can drown in a puddle. Yep. Yep. Um, and even if he was so intoxicated that he somehow passed out, you know, in in water or whatever like stranger things have happened yeah another theory is that tyler went to go buy drugs for the group and died in a drug deal god wrong which i don't yeah. really see because i, I, I feel like they would see that in his phone records though yeah and how could he go into yeah yeah i guess maybe he had arranged to meet them and he somehow did find them and his phone died anyway and it all went wrong but i just find that that's probably unlikely yeah, I just feel like there'd be some sort of communication on his phone that police would have seen by now. Yeah. I'm assuming Brittany's phone records have also been checked um, yeah. for, you know, something like that, which I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I didn't read this one. <laughs> the other theory that we've seen is that Brittany and Sean were having an affair and purposely killed Tyler. A sub-theory here is that they actually killed Tyler earlier in the day. However, the Uber driver, strip club bouncers, etc., all seem to back up that Tyler was with Brittany in the front throughout the night. And I think it's also that's been disproven now that they've released that new video of him leaving the Hilton. Yeah. So that shows that he was alive at 4.17 or whatever, 4.15, whatever the time was. Yeah. There's another theory that kind of feeds into the drugs, which I think is the most believable. That night... Based on what we know, it didn't seem like Tyler drank too much. And it makes you wonder if someone could have spiked his drink or something like that, which does happen. When Olivia was doing some research on this, um, on the dollhouse, she saw a review on Yelp. And the review says, These people will drug you and steal every last dime in your pocket. I recently went to the dollhouse because it was close by and I needed a drink. I had two beers, and then the bartender offered me her special that came in a martini glass. I accepted. To get one thing clear, three drinks does not put me under the table. From the frutini on, I remember nothing of the rest of the night. Next thing I remember is waking up in my bed eight hours later. I will tell you that my girlfriend said I was literally dropped on my front step by two huge, scary-looking men at nearly 3 a.m., and I sustained cuts and bruises on my body. Keep in mind, I went in to have two or three beers. The next day, checking my bank records, this establishment had charged me $2,000 to my credit card, which is the limit. I have no memory of the time from around 10 until I woke up in my own bed. My girlfriend had to get a cab to retrieve my car. If I spent $2,000 on drinks, that'd be the worst hangover of my life. Yet, I woke up feeling just a little weak and fuzzy-headed. No headache, no nausea. I have a dispute with the bank to hopefully get my money back, and I have filed a police report. I even offered to pay for the drinks I did order. GHB can kill you. 
This is what I believe happened to me, and I will never drink from a bottle I didn't personally open with my own two hands. Nothing I didn't make myself, no more nightclubs, and no more dollhouse. Thank God I'm just out $2,000 and I didn't die that night. The one thing that makes, like, you know, I do agree that this happens sometimes, but the one thing that makes me think it didn't happen with Tyler is that he was in a group. This guy or whoever wrote this review sounds like he was by himself just having a few drinks. Would the bar staff or whoever really choose a man in a group with two other people to drug when the others haven't mentioned sure, ever? I guess, I guess we don't know how, like, Brittany seemed coherent enough to be trying to call him and look for him. Yeah, her, I, I do then, find her movements were kind of weird as well, you know, like going up and coming down and going up to charge the phone for a minute. And you think that it would have been more pr- productive if she had stayed up there for, say, half an hour and got half a charge on a phone or whatever. Yeah. But in saying that, she could have when just you're been just intoxicated and Drunk and, and panicking. Yeah, yeah. But then it makes you wonder if something did happen because just from reading that, Tyler and Sean kind of got into an argument with the bouncers. Like, I wonder. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't were sure being if assholes. the was about them being asked to leave because they were drunk or whatever, or if it was because it was closing. I, I do think the timing makes it seem like it was because they were closing, but we don't really know. Yeah. My overall opinion is I think drugs were a factor, whether they all did them together, whether Tyler was drugged or just Tyler did drugs or just Tyler and Sean did drugs. I feel like unless you just drank a shit ton, yeah. but I feel like the only way you could really be that incoherent and just disappear, like you had to have been pretty messed up. Yeah. And I find it interesting that like Brittany makes the point that at the first bar, he only had half a drink. Half a drink. Like, he goes to a bar and has half a drink and you know why even if he did why would you mention it like I think that she's trying to maybe play down in some cases that how intoxicated they were yeah um I just feel like from all of it it's pretty obvious that they were mostly I'm assuming all three of them fairly intoxicated which you know there's nothing wrong with that it's legal to go out and have drinks but I just feel like yeah I don't know I I think personally he's somewhere in the area around the hotel still yeah, I don't think he was killed or anything like that. I find it interesting that the dogs hit on a, lake, a pond or whatever it was. But I was I, wondering if they were cadaver dogs or just regular scent dogs. Probably just scent dogs, right? Apparently, according to the True Crime Garage Reddit, it says the wife mentioned that investigators searched and dredged a nearby lake or possibly a retention pond and didn't find anything. So it doesn't hmm. still doesn't say what type of dogs they were. It's interesting, though. Tyler is described as being 5'10", weighing 170 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a blue and green flannel shirt and blue jeans and black and white Nike shoes. Tyler has a birthmark on his right arm. If you have any information on the circumstances surrounding Tyler's disappearance, please call the Columbus Police Department. And their number is 614-645-4545. We weren't really sure if we were going to include this or not, but figured it was worth mentioning. Yeah. Back when this was going on, there was some crazy Tyler Davis groups. There seems that... to be a lot of people who are, you know, fascinated with how mysterious it seems to be. But yeah, at the yeah. time, there was a ton of different groups. <laughs> there was one. one I... I don't even remember yeah. what it was called. I just remember. Yeah. 
Maybe we shouldn't say her name. I know. Say her. It just popped into my. It just popped into my head. I, I don't even know how I remember it. Uh, she did a like before we speak about it. She did a raffle to raise yeah. money to search. Is that right? She yeah. They were. She definitely did a raffle. I remember that. The way I remember what happened was that she, the admin of this Facebook group, was trying to be helpful. And they were trying to organize their own search because they felt like law enforcement wasn't doing enough, yeah. which is a nice thing to do. But she, to try to entice people, said that they were going to have raffles and things like that at the search. And I'm fairly sure, if I remember rightly, she was trying to make the raffle so they could buy like um, high vis vests for and, the search. Yeah, like things to help them search. But she was doing it. <laughs> By a raffle which it's just weird like why are you gonna and police said that they didn't want people doing this because they're yeah, just they you know, people don't handle stuff. searches like that right if you find evidence you can't touch it and if you're not experienced you shouldn't be doing it and then just to throw in a raffle to this missing persons thing and money when none of these people are related like not the organizers are related to him in any way just seems kind of crazy like you don't know what you're giving your money to it really got out of hand, I remember. It was just... Yeah, a lot of people thought it was ridiculous, and a lot yeah. of people were like, you should not be doing this. Yeah. You, you want, I and wonder I was if, one of them. <laughs> if people can get in trouble for kind of hindering an investigation, if you're specifically doing what the police have asked you not to do. I just think it's that... I just think it's weird to be that invested in yeah. a case that you have... She didn't even live in the area, I'm pretty sure. She was going to fly in. Drive hours, I think. Yeah. and I think people do get very, very invested in some of these cases. And you It's know, one I'm thing sure if it's, it's local to you and it's like your town. But if you have to fly in to do this, you need to take a fucking breather. <laughs> but, I mean, that's really it for Tyler. Yeah. It just is very mysterious. There's really no answers. I feel really bad for... Brittany since October last year yeah there was only that one update which wasn't even really an update about him leaving the Hilton so I feel like with just random the last couple cases we've covered like as soon as we're gonna yeah. put them out something happens and it's like with the Long Island we should have probably talked about that as well but we can maybe oh, yeah, next like- time we can talk about the updates in the Long Island serial killer case and you know as soon as we released, we released Corinna the person got in contact and let us know the updates so, yeah, it does seem like as soon as we re- release something, something And happens. with with Gannon, it happened a few times. Yes. Yeah. Lori Vallow, it was always happening. But that's just because the court documents keep coming out and releasing more. And to be fair, we did know it was going to happen with Madison, which is why we didn't do an episode on her because we just wanted to. We thought it would be wrapped up quickly, <laughs> mm-hmm. which it was, thankfully. So I'm not trying to brag, but I think we have some influence in the universe. <laughs> Maybe we need to start doing really, really old cases. And then After this, I, if something happens in either of these cases, I will die. <laughs> I feel so much pressure on which ones we choose next. <laughs> Imagine that. At least we put it out there now. So see what happens. All right. So next we're going to talk about Chase. Chase. I f- every single time I typed chase instead of chance i'm sure i had I not as well like i was looking for something I'm like, why is there nothing and then i realized i had his name wrong i don't know why chance just won't stay in my head and i'm yeah. always thinking chase so if i say chase i'm sorry his name is chance <laughs> so we're gonna talk about chance engelbert and for this one i'm just gonna preface it by saying it was a little frustrating to me because 
even though there's not a ton out about Tyler, I felt like it was easier to get information about it's, what happened to him. I feel like Tyler is definitely clearer. Like there's a bit of a timeline, and yeah, you know. for Chance, there's really nothing. The official news articles only really talk about the search, but nothing that led up to him disappearing. So everything I collected for this was really from interviews that the family did and from social media posts. And some things conflicted with other things. So I put it together best I can. Yeah. And if we get any other clarifying info, we'll clarify it. But if you feel like there's some gaps in the story, I felt the same way. Yeah, we've tried you, know, you, you tried your best to get the gaps filled in, but it's hard. Drove me to drink. everything drives me to drink (laughs) all right so chance engelbert his wife bailey and their infant son banks were visiting bailey's family in gearing nebraska which is four hours from where they lived in moorcroft wyoming on saturday july 6 2019 chance his father-in-law and brother-in-law decided to go golfing at chimney rock golf course in baynard nebraska The group was drinking and something was said that upset Chance to the point where he called his wife to pick him up, requesting to go home. Bailey has since said it was a misunderstanding over a comment about Chance's job that he took offense to. She said he was drunk and she couldn't talk any sense into him. So she picked him up and returned to her grandparents' house in the 400 block of O Street where they were staying to gather their belongings. Chance told her he didn't want to be there and he wanted to go home now. I've heard um, him speak about that on The Vanished, and he's like, what are you doing? I told you I want to go. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to get our stuff. And yeah. he really, really didn't want to. Like panicked, it seemed yeah. like, just ran out. Yeah. So this is around 7.30 p.m. Chance gets out of the car in Bailey's grandparents' driveway and walks away. Bailey runs inside to give their son to her grandparents and goes back outside to intervene, but lets him go, figuring he'll cool off and then will return. In an interview with Dateline, Bailey said, When he gets mad, he'll walk to cool down. But I didn't think he'd go far. He just kept walking until I couldn't see him. I didn't think he was serious. From there, Chance would essentially vanish. Besides being caught walking on surveillance video and gearing and in Terrytown later that night, which has left many people wondering whether he left his life behind or something more sinister happened to him. Chance was 25 years old when he disappeared. He and 20-year-old Bailey met in 2017, and after only a year of dating, the two got married in 2018. Their son, Banks, was born in May 2019, making him only three months old when Chance disappeared. I'm fairly sure that they had been married for under a year when he disappeared. It was like so, just under a year, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, a year, yeah. Like 10 months, maybe. Yeah. Friends and family of Chance said their relationship was rocky at times, but Bailey has said in interviews that it was a great marriage in he was everything she hoped for in a husband. I know she said that, you know, he was her best friend and that marriage was um, better than what she had seen in the past. Like I'm assuming maybe her parents were divorced or whatever like that. You know, she'd seen something like that, but she said that their marriage was... Exceeded her expectations or something. Better than she ever could have imagined, basically, along those lines. Yeah, she said that. I'll just see the Vanished podcast. Um, It's a good episode. She interviews Bailey, his mom. Yeah. some of his friends so if you're interested in hearing that check it out got the most personal information that I've yeah seen. i got a i got a lot of information from that because like i said there's not a ton out there except for yeah. social media and any interviews they did which they ha- haven't really done a ton 
So Chance's family describe him as a hard worker and an all-around good guy. He loved the rodeo and rode horses and bulls bareback competitively. Side note, it was so hard for me to figure out like what sport that is because I knew he was a cowboy and rode horses. And I was like, what is that? Is that the rodeo? <laughs> so you could tell that I'm not from anywhere where that's popular. So <laughs> if, if I described that wrong, I'm sorry. But to me, he competitively rode horses and bulls bareback. And he was even on his college team that did that. And I didn't know colleges had that either. No, neither did I. I just feel like I'm missing out on a lot in life after reading this. Because <laughs> I also don't know much about the Demolition Derby, which he also enjoyed working on derby cars and participated regularly in the Demolition Derby. I guess it was a big thing for their family. His brother also participated. So good for them. <laughs> Bailey says he was, quote, such a good father who was, quote, stupid excited when he found out she was pregnant. She says he would never leave their baby. His mother, Dawn, said he was excited to start a new job that coming Monday after being laid off from his previous mining job. He even had plans to go to his parents' home to pick up a package that Sunday. Seemed like they would have been doing a lot of driving. Mm. Especially for him to start the new job on the Monday. Yeah. Needless to say, those who knew Chance didn't think he would simply walk away from his life with no intention of returning. Bailey said, I think whatever happened to him is really bad. People just don't vanish. Something happened to him. After he walked off, Chance called his good friend, Matt Miller, and asked for a ride. He told him he was walking the highway to Torrington until someone came to pick him up. Matt had been drinking and couldn't come himself, but said he would try to find him a ride. Matt texted Chance's mother and asked her to call him. She did, and Matt told her that he just got off the phone with Chance, who had a little run-in in gearing and wants to get out of there. Chance's family started calling and texting him to try to figure out what was going on. His aunt Katie, who isn't his aunt <laughs> or something, but she goes by Aunt Katie, she called him and he didn't answer. So then she texted him, and he responded an hour later around 9, which was the last anyone heard from him. And I haven't been able to find what this text said, what she texted him, what he said back. I've looked and I can't find it. I've put a call out and asked anyone in the group or, you know, if anyone knows. So if we do find out, we'll let you know. But no one seems to know at this stage. It's just weird to me that maybe it was just something irrelevant. Like, are you OK? And he or just yeah. like, hey, and he said, hey. So it's not really. Yeah. But I just feel like oh, whoever was interviewing her, wouldn't you ask what it was like yeah. out of curiosity? Unless there's something that they didn't want to put out there, but yeah. Anyway. So several months later, on November 27th, police would discover that there was no activity from his phone after 10 p.m. and that his phone last communicated within three miles of a cell tower west of Scotts Bluff. So I googled that because I don't know where any of these places are. And it's only three miles or eight minutes away from gearing. So that update came out November 27, 2019, but at the time they obviously didn't know that. The night Chance disappeared, his mom spoke with Bailey. Dawn asked, I said his mom's name's Dawn, right? His mom's yeah. Dawn. <laughs> Dawn asked if they should come help search, but Bailey insisted her family had it covered. Chance's parents lived in South Dakota, and by the time they'd arrive, it would be dark and difficult to see. Plus, they assumed he would turn up later that night once he'd cooled down. 
Unfortunately, Bailey and her family were forced to stop searching because of a severe storm that swept through northern Nebraska, causing tornadoes in some areas. The rain that night was heavy and cold, along with the added danger of lightning and flooding. Bailey assumed Chance took shelter in a bar or building nearby and that he'd be okay. But when she woke up the next morning, Chance still hadn't returned, and she knew something was wrong. In an interview, Bailey said, I still wasn't that worried. I figured he'd come slinking in late that night, but he didn't. And when I woke up the next morning and he wasn't there, I knew it was bad. So this is on Sunday, July 7th. Around 11 that morning, Bailey files a police report. She still told his parents that everything was fine and that they didn't need to head down. His parents were still confident that he would show up later that day, so they were fine staying put. On Sunday night, Bailey and his mother spoke again. Dawn says Bailey started crying and said, I just know he's coming home in a body bag. Dawn told her, don't think that. There's a good chance, but let's stay positive. I I, I think that's a very strange thing to say for someone who hasn't been missing for like it's 24 hours. There's, you know, if there's a chance that he's going to be alive, this is the best chance that they've got. Like it's weird for either of them to say that, but hmm. for Bailey, I can kind of get it. She's pretty young and I feel like that would be something in the back of anyone's mind if you hadn't yeah. seen them for so long. Like, oh, like I hope nothing happened to them. I'm worried. It sounds I think like it was out of character for him to go off for this long. So I, yeah. you know, I do get that. They may be thinking it's not normal and things aren't going to turn out, but it is a weird thing to say. I think and it's also weirder weird for thing. his mom to confirm. Yeah, properly. that's what I mean. I was going to say it's a weird thing to even repeat. Like what's, I don't know, it seems like it's an unusual thing to I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if she was just caught off guard. Like I'm really bad at small talk and I'll probably say some stupid things, but mm. I just think it's weird for his mom to say, there's a good chance, but let's be positive. So then... Monday, July 8th, police began their search for Chance. Bailey has said she felt police initially thought he was just another drunk who stormed off. Sounds familiar. Yeah, that they didn't put a ton of effort into their search right away. Yeah. By that point on Monday, Chance's parents and brother drove to Nebraska to join the search. They drove around and saw search parties looking for him. They were told not to intervene with the main searches, so they searched other areas on their own instead. On Tuesday afternoon, Captain Rogers from Gearing Police asked Bailey and Dawn to come to the police station. The two were worried, but he only ended up telling them that they found no sign of chance during their search. Bailey then asked about a death certificate, which confused Dawn and Captain Rogers, who told Bailey they were going to do everything they could to find him. So this is two days later, and she's asking about a death certificate? I've I've read a lot about find yeah. suspicious a lot about this online and maybe like I know that he he hadn't started his new job so they probably had no income um so maybe she was just worried about being able to access if he had a 401k or his life insurance which I've seen is, nothing about if she worked or anything neither have I but either way I'm sure it was just not like she was making a ton of money that could support her and a baby I read a lot of comments about how Bailey seems quite young for her age. Like, was she 20? And they said, you know, that she seemed a lot younger than that. I think some people forget how young yeah. 20 is, really. Listening to her, I didn't think she sounded really much younger than she is, yeah. especially if you're living in a small town your whole life. And yeah, 
I, you know, I, I could imagine that it would be so stressful to have to think that you've got to look after a baby now with no income. Um, yeah. But it is, it is very unusual to ask for a death certificate. I saw someone said online that someone probably just like maybe in her family put that idea in her head of like you're going to have to figure out how to pay for things. So you're going to have to get his insurance. And for that, you need a death certificate. Yeah. So I'm sure she... One- was impressionable, not knowing what to do. One other case I know where they filed or the partner tried to get a death certificate very quickly was <laughs> Papa. case. Papa, Michael Chambers. He's a man. Yeah. He was older, though. He was 70. And he his, went missing. His wife was way more suspicious. Yeah, she definitely knows more. But he went missing in March 2017. And in April, which is still, you know, longer than three days, but in April she filed paperwork to have him temporarily declared dead, which I didn't even know was a thing, but apparently it is. And she said and that she, she, that's where she could sell his truck and his possessions. And one of the, the car that he, she sold, he'd given it to her as a gift. Yeah. So, but also anyway. it didn't seem like they were strapped for money as much no. as a 20-year-old girl with a new baby would be. Yeah. And maybe she just really had no idea, Bailey, now I'm talking about, about how – what she would have been entitled to in terms of like social security or someone had to have said something to her because just thinking back on it, the only reason I know anything about life insurance and death certificates and things like that is not only because I follow a lot of crime and things, but I also worked in doctor's offices for a long time and we had to give the death certificates. But as just a 20-year-old who maybe has no interest in these things, there's no way she would know what to do or what to ask for. Yeah. And, I've, you know, I know people have implied online that it's a bit suspicious that she asked for that. You know, did she know that he wasn't coming home for whatever reason? But I, yeah. I, I feel personally more it's just a bit of a naivety thing. You know, she thought yeah. she needed the death certificate to be able to get some money is basically what I think it comes down to. Me too. This brings us to, well, that was Tuesday. And then Wednesday, the mom said on the Vanish that they just did the same thing. They were searching. Nothing happened. On Thursday, they had a press conference. The Gearing Police Chief George Holthus held a press conference with Chance's family. He went over the search efforts to locate Chance, which consisted of 147 people participating in ground searches covering 2,400 acres. Airlink and Nebraska State Patrol covered 380 miles by air. Sonar and canines were used to search 10 lakes and ponds in addition to the river, riverfront property, and irrigation ditches and canals. And nothing that belonged to Chance was located. Like, none of his clothing, anything he might have had with him. They haven't found any sign of him. In relation to Tyler, you know, as opposed to Chance, this Chance's search seems to seems have been way more thorough. thorough. Yeah. yeah. And this was only four days after he disappeared. So they've already done all that right at the start. By day three in Tyler's, the police hadn't even started searching. Yeah. And I know Bailey said she feels like the police kind of brushed it off, but yeah, they only waited. I don't know what else. Well, you couldn't days. really ask for much more than, you yeah. know, and even even in terms of maybe if they did wait the two days, that would be still too long, say, for Chance to survive. But at least they're still searching for him. Yeah. You know, doing something. So so Chief Hothis also said officials are relatively certain that Chance is not in any of the areas searched, which is primarily 
Northwest Terrytown in Southwest Scottsbluff. He continued by saying the searches have concluded and that the operation has turned into a more investigative standpoint, which means that they'll be focusing more on things like cell phone records, interviewing friends and family, checking his financial activity. So they'll be doing more investigating versus searching. So his mother spoke at the press conference as well. Everybody keeps saying, do you know what you're going to say? They don't. It's a wow. This is a nightmare. I can't believe how much everybody's helped us and supported us. I never felt that Chance would leave his family. I feel that if he has just needed a break and ran away from being a grown-up, I get it. I'm disappointed and I'm hurt. But please, Chance, if that's the case, come home reach out to anybody i still think somebody knows something we're still building that reward the chance would be embarrassed to death of all of this but we just need him home yes and, and he's not in trouble i i don't think anybody in the law enforcement would his his mom and his dad will harp on him but he's not in trouble And I'll say, just listening to interviews, his mom seems very simple and very naive. She even admits that a lot, that she's naive and she doesn't know anything that's going on. I feel like that's why some of the story was hard to follow, because she's very simple. Yeah. Yeah. So there hasn't been any updates about Chance's disappearance in 2020. Most of this happened between when he disappeared and then the police gave like the phone record updates and the surveillance records updates like until the end of the year. But since then, nothing has come out since. Family and friends have been calling for the FBI to get involved and have been wanting this to be a homicide investigation. But there's really no evidence of any foul play or homicide or anything like that. So the FBI the FBI stated if information developed that changed the circumstances, they would review that information with local investigators to determine if federal investigation could be opened based on information that suggests federal violation has occurred, which is a long sentence for just saying there's not enough evidence right now for the FBI to get involved. Yeah. And if that changes, they will. So Chance was last seen wearing a short-sleeved Wrangler shirt, Wrangler jeans, roper boots, and a black-and-white trucker cap. He's described as 5'9", or medium build, with sunlight and brown hair. Anyone with information is asked to contact Gearing Police Department by calling the Scotts Bluff County Communications Center at 308-436-6666. Like I said, a lot of this information came from them talking on social media and things like that. So I did save a few posts. And just interesting to note, Bailey deleted her Facebook, right? Yeah, I tried to have another look today and it's still gone. So Bailey deleted her Facebook. And I know that the mom has deleted some posts. I'm not exactly sure which ones. I got these screenshots from when they were current and people were talking about it in our group and posted them. So back to what we said before, always take screenshots. <laughs> so on July 13th, his brother made a sad post, which I thought was well written. Yeah, And he is. said, 
I've always been able to find you. Since we were young, I've always been able to find you. Didn't matter if you ran around the pound, down the tracks, or tried to hide in the corrals. I've always been able to find you. As long as I can remember, I've known exactly where to look for you at. I'm sorry I couldn't find you this time. I want to know where you're at, though. Same as always, but I can't find it. So I'll just wait here at the kitchen table for some more leftovers and another one of your stories that everyone loves. I'm sorry I wasn't able to find you this time. I pray you find your way home to tell another one at the table. Hmm, that's such a nice post. Yeah, that is sad. Next post that I took note of was that his mother made two weeks after he disappeared. There's a line in there that says, we're sorry if we pushed you hard or not enough. And it made people wonder if something had happened before that would maybe add on to this or maybe a lot of pressure was put on him on top of having a new job and a baby. It just made people wonder what happened. But she said, so here we are coming up two weeks, Chance, and we hurt more now than before. Not sure if you keep running busy like always or lay down, but we want you home. We are sorry if we push too hard or not enough. We all love you so much, so please send us a sign. We are here to help you and support you. I have to believe in your out there lost because anything else is not acceptable. So I'm reading that how it's written. It's not just me messing (laughs) up. mess it up. (laughs) It is a bit of a mess. I don't know the right way to say it without sounding mean. I just feel like his mom is very innocent. I'm sure like that line at first where it says, not sure if you keep running busy like always or lay down. At first I thought maybe that she's saying, do we just keep going or do we, you know, I think that's what she's saying anyway. Do you, you know, do we keep our lives going or do we Hmm. give up basically? Not sure if you keep running. Oh, yeah, I can see it that way. Mm. I feel like that must be it because I was thinking. In terms of him. Yeah, I was thinking she wasn't sure if he was. Just like busy, like always, and that's how I read it at first. But then the more I think about it, I think she's talking about their lives. Yeah, that makes more sense. Her next post was on July twenty eighth, which makes reference to the four hundred one k and life insurance policies, which has to do with the death certificate. Because I guess people online were being very critical of that. I don't know if she is defending Bailey or what, but. I know that the the vanished episode didn't come out till October. So, if she made that post in July, I wonder if everyone knew that she'd asked for a death certificate, like you know, local rumors in the town. Because I know there's a lot of articles about dispelling rumors in his case. So, I'm assuming yeah. that because it's quite a small town, people are talking. And one of the other posts or comments I'm going to read has someone saying that Bailey talked to them about it, but I don't know who that yep. person is. But I'll get to that. The mom made this post on July 28th, and again, I'm going to read it how it's written. Our hearts are literally broken, but yet some trolls out there have to trash my family. We are a normally family that have disagreement and have hurt each other. But what you don't get, we are family that bonds no matter what. We have nothing to do with or know anything that happened to Chance that night. We have no secrets, so please ask away. We are not a rich family. Chances, mine, probably, never even paid into his 401k, and there is no life insurance. 
And to say we haven't been involved in the search enough, please, please tell me what I'm supposed to do because I have never lost a child before, so I don't even know how to deal with this. If it was your loved one, would you want to be the one that found after three weeks? Yet we have went out looking in other areas still, even this weekend. For the ones that have helped in the search and have a good heart, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But unfortunately, there is ones searching that want to gossip and just want the money. The reward money that local ranchers, businesses, friends, and rodeo family have said they would donate to, so this amazing kid would be found. So we would have answers to who hurt him that night. And I forgot to mention, I couldn't find when the reward happened, but they did have an $8,000 reward for Mm -hmm. information finding him. I guess people were also critical about the family not going to search either until two days later. Then Bailey shared that post and added. Looks like it was under even 20 minutes after that, based on the timestamps that she made her own, like shared it and made her own one. Yeah. So she shared it and then wrote her own post. If you Facebook, you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And Bailey says, oh, and to add to this, stop involving my kid in your cracked out theories. Y'all are literally a bunch of low IQ individuals with immensely large egos. Oh, and to add to this, if you keyboard jockeys don't have the balls to say these things to our faces, you should probably just slink back to the cesspool you crawled out of. Nobody has busted their asses harder than our two families. The amount of acreage we've covered has been outstanding. Just because we're not posting every little update, thank you, psychos, doesn't mean we're not searching. This is what I was talking about with the 401k and the life insurance from people. Someone who goes by lynnseekstruth.com on Facebook did a video about chance. In the post for lynnseekstruth.com, she wrote, Lynn, I'm guessing, wrote, Chance Engelbert, 25 years old, missing since July 6th after a fight with his wife while staying with his in-laws. Two days after he disappears, his wife asks when she can get a death certificate issued. I had a call yesterday that blew my mind from something related to Chance. You don't know anything about this missing person's case yet. I will talk about it tonight live. So on that video... Bailey was watching it, and she commented, Chase and I did not have a disagreement with some laughing emojis. Chance and I. Chance and I. Chase. (laughs) Chase or Chance and I didn't have a disagreement with some laughing emojis. (laughs) So then people who were also watching the video got annoyed by that and started responding to her. Someone says, seems a little suspicious. You are laughing right now. Hmm. You should be glad she is talking about this and getting the word out. And another person said, someone named T-H-A, it's the first name, Lingos, said, if Bailey cared about where Chance was, she wouldn't be asking me if she can cash his 401k in a week after he went missing. So I'm guessing that's a local... I don't really know who she is. And that kind of makes sense because if, if Bailey asked that a week after he went missing and then his mother made the post, you know, yeah. obviously this is one of the little local rumours going around. Yeah. This is the last one that I'm going to say, and it's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> so on August 5th, his mom shared this post 
And from what I could put together, it's because they went to the demolition derby and received some backlash for that because, you know, if you're if you have a missing kid, you're not allowed to have a good time ever. Yeah. So she wrote. So once again, I asked people, please keep Chance Engelbert name out there. There is so many people affected by him vanishing that night. We have to be kind to each other and strong. I get asked every day what I really think and what is my gut telling me? I don't know. Exclamation points. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't know. I'm so numb, hurt, angry, scared, and out of my mind. No one can understand. And if any one of us did, chance would have been found that very first day. I was asked yesterday, how are we so strong and carrying on with our normal lives? Well, first off, we are doing neither of those. Yes, we went to our fair. Why, to be honest, every one of us hoped he coming walking into that derby pit that night, asking where the hell our cars are. Yes, we had three cars that probably could have been ready, but we just couldn't drive them. We also went because Chance's friends need us as much as we need them. We went because Miles was and needed to compete in his stuff. Chance was so proud of his brothers and would want Miles' team to be champions another year in the hog wrestling. (laughs) So we went for Chance. We cried and prayed like crazy with our community. We are not strong without our friends and family. We haven't gone back to work. We busted stuff and we literally had to make us eat. I have spent hours on the phone begging people for help. We stay in touch with many of you out searching and we take drives to check things out. I've seen more back roads from Edgemont to Torrington to Bayard than I wanted to. So there is no normal life for anyone that was close to chance. So please keep praying and keep sharing his posts. Please, if you know anything big or small, report it. We just need answers. No judging of anyone. No cruel words. Just be kind and help us. There is an army of people that need and want chance. We would like to thank everyone that helps and supports the whole family. We honestly could not get up each morning without you all. So that was that. Hmm. It's interesting. It's sad that I think that they felt like they had to justify themselves. You know, they do have a life. They've got other family, which is what I think she's trying to say, that Miles was competing in something at the Derby or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I know I was hating on the mom a little bit, but I do think she's very nice and cares a lot about her kids and her heart is, is doing the, right the best place. she can yeah, yeah yeah when i see her in the press conference she's just very sad yeah she's probably yeah it would be hard when you're so distraught to get things out 100 percent coherently every time mm-hmm. and if they want to go to a fair they go to a fair like <laughs> they're gonna sit home and cry every day yeah this was a month later too, so it wasn't like I know it's still soon, but it wasn't like a day or two after. Yeah. They've probably had a little bit of time for things to sink in and there comes a point where you've got to get on with your life. Like I'm sure they were still looking for him and searching for him, but they still had other. For them, it was probably kind of like a welcome distraction. Yeah. There's not a ton of theories on what has happened to him. It seems like most people are focused on Bailey and her family. One post I saw on Reddit was someone said, I know a lot of people are blaming his wife, Bailey, of being involved in his disappearance because of comments she made regarding the issuing of a death certificate. 
but I think that's just down to her being a lot younger mentally than she is in years to me. She comes across like a 14-year-old, not a 20-year-old, but I do feel her family know what happened to Chance, and I believe it's a case of them deciding he wasn't the right man for their little girl and taking matters into their own hands to end the relationship. He was on foot in their neck of the woods at the time of his disappearance. It would be good if they had just threatened him to leave Bailey and the baby, but from what his friends have said, I think he would have been happy to leave Bailey. (laughs) I don't believe he would have left his baby or vanished from his family and friends. The fact that some locals in his wife's family's area have told Chance's family they have information but don't want to get involved unfortunately suggests to me that her family may have done more than just threaten him. If I were Chance's family, I would be looking for remains every place that Bailey's family aren't looking. No, I was just going to say, I don't know if, you know, I, I guess it's not totally unbelievable. And it would explain why she asked for the death certificate, but I just, I don't I know. I feel like she I doesn't know. Happen. No. Maybe if her family, the men in her family did something, I, which I don't think I think either, but I feel like she doesn't know. Yeah, I don't think she does. I think she maybe knows more. Maybe there was more said about why he was angry and why he walked off. Yeah, I, I don't was think gonna she actually say, knows what happened to him. There's things missing in the story. Yeah. Like, would Pizza's Chance missing. really be that mad over a misunderstood comment about his job or was something else said? And that's just what they told Bailey? Yeah. And also, when she picked him up and he was so mad... She says there was no disagreement or fight in the car, but wouldn't you think they would talk about what was going on? Like she I had know that to. She have, said, you know, he was so drunk that she couldn't talk any sense into him, or whatever. So maybe she just didn't bother. But yeah, I don't know. You think you'd be like, well, what happened? You know, what's going on? Yeah, like I feel like she definitely knows more than she's saying, but I feel yeah. like she doesn't more about the situation. I don't know if she knows yeah. more about what happened. Like I don't think she was involved in killing him or anything like that. I mean, the other scenarios are really just that he walked off angry and got lost and the storm happened and come to that element somehow. I think that's probably the most likely, especially that night if there was that big storm. Yeah. I suspect. But then his family, like his mom, they seem pretty adamant that someone murdered him, which I don't see like a random person. Like I know it happens, but I just, yeah. Don't think that's think what that happened. Night, especially with the storm and everything, would a serial killer or whatever be out there looking at all? You know, I get it could have been a crime of opportunity if someone just saw him and decided then and there to do it, but I think that's probably that would be the least likely one for me. Yeah. The other theory I've seen as well, which is silly, but I thought I'd mention it because I know lots of people are talking about it, is that his phone last pinged in um, near or, you know, in the – radius of a truck stop yeah i was gonna say there's a couple different variations the other theory that i've seen is that he ran off to join the rodeo and become you know a full-time cowboy but you would think someone would recognize him then surely you know even if he wanted to do that he could just do it but i'm sure in doing a job like that you'd come across people i guess you know if they if he's on a remote property or whatever that's there's a chance that maybe just the people don't know but I feel like also that's one of the least likely scenarios his mom made a point about the storm on the podcast and she said the storm was an hour after he went missing and if he was walking he wouldn't be in the area at the time unless someone did something to him if you look at where his phone last pinged and stuff like that 
he wasn't very far away by what was it like nine ten o'clock he was yeah. only 10 minutes away three miles so if there was a storm where bailey was that she had to stop searching i don't think he could have avoided it it says police worried that chance may have gotten hypothermia and there was the concern of slipping into rivers or streams yeah so i mean even if he didn't fall and die or something from the storm if he got soaking wet and yeah. had nowhere to go he could have gotten hypothermia in my opinion the same with tyler and him i think they both just come to the elements or fell yeah. or something fell into a river bailey said chance was really drunk yeah well she said he was so drunk that she couldn't talk sense into him basically so mm -hmm. that confirms that who's intoxicated and possibly not thinking clearly um if that's what happened hopefully soon a mushroom hunter will find their remains <laughs> <laughs> oh. in full circle <laughs> but that's really it for both their stories we've got the blog up for both of them so you can look at maps and things of their last movements or where they were last seen if you want to check out more about where they could possibly be in the areas where they went missing but yeah real mystery let us know what you guys think. Comment on the blog or on the threads in the group. Interested to see if anyone has any more creative ideas versus what Olivia and I have come up with. Yeah, I know. I'd love to hear if you've got any out there theories or even information that we didn't know about either case. We'd love to hear it. All right. So we've got something different coming up next week, hopefully, for you. I've been working with Kendall and we're going to bring you some info about um, a very unusual murder-suicide between a male and a female cousin. That's one of the ones that's been interesting to me in the last little while. But if you want to check out our social media in the meantime, you can just look us up everywhere on True Crime Society, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Lozzie is doing our Twitter now and she's killing it. She's a, you know, we've been a bit slack on Twitter in the last little while. So yeah, she's we're, killing it. We're not it. big Twitter users. No, I'm all right on Insta and Facebook, but Twitter has never been for me. So anyway, check us out, uh, True Crime Society, on any of those. And you can also look at our blogs at truecrimesociety.com um, and we'll have all the information from today's episode up there. That's it. I think that's it for this week. See you next crime. Bye. Bye. Bye.